The Peculiar People podcast is brought to you by Woody'sClothing.com, the button-down shirt and chino company that offers the perfect fit guarantee. Guys, are you sick of wearing shirts to work or to church that are oversized or boxy? Are you sick of suffering through endless aisles and racks of clothing at the store or taking a giant guess on an online shop? Well, worry no more. Using advanced sizing algorithms, Woody'sClothing.com can accurately predict your measurements in seconds with as little as your height, weight, and average shirt size. No tape measure required. Shirts start selling at only 85 bucks and include free shipping and returns, so stop settling for small, medium, or large and get that perfect fitting shirt with Woody'sClothing.com. Today's podcast touches on a subject that may be uncomfortable for some people, but I feel that as a community, it is important that there are certain dialogues that we have that may be subject matter that was uncomfortable to talk about in years past. Uh, for instance, we interviewed Clay Olson a few weeks ago, who runs a nonprofit that fights um, against the harmful effects of pornography. In today's episode, we interview three people who are active members of the LDS Church and happen to be gay. One thing that I think is important as you listen is just to have an open mind um, and not necessarily focusing on the fact that they are gay, but that these are people, and that these are people that are trying their best to um, live the standards of the gospel while dealing with something that some of the people listening may not be able to empathize with. Guys, we're all different, and uh, we're all peculiar in some ways, and this the whole reason we wanted to start this podcast is to share stories like this one, where you have three guys who are gay, uh, who happen to also be active members of the church, uh, living their faith the best they can. So, uh, one other note, thank you so much for sharing this podcast with your friends, for all the ratings and reviews. We're absolutely thrilled. It means the world to us. You have no idea. Also, apologies for the audio quality on this one. It's a little bit tin canny because we were essentially mobile recording on top of a roof in New York City, um, but I think you're going to enjoy it anyway. So, enjoy the show. Welcome into the Peculiar People podcast. As always, I'm your host, Nate Jones. We are mobile recording today in New York City in our mobile podcast studio that is my friend Connor's uh, room of his house, but it's up on the roof. It's a nice night in the summer of New York City, and I have three very special guests with me today, and I'm going to kick it off to Connor Castaño. Connor, what makes you a peculiar person? Uh, what makes me a peculiar person is that gay teenage Connor was so obsessed with getting rid of all body hair. I took Nair to my nose once, to my nostrils, and had sores <laughs> and scabs inside of my nose for five years after that. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's awesome. Peculiar people is a compliment of the highest order. I don't know what that means. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. It's not it gets the people going. All right, and then we have Matt Peterson with us. Matt, uh, makes yeah. you a peculiar, a peculiar person. Peculiar person, uh, not as exciting as Connor's uh, peculiarity. Um, <laughs> I live in New York. I do marketing for a record label. I'm gay and Mormon. Yeah, that's, I guess, the gist of why I'm peculiar. 
And then we have Mike Barney, our third guest on the round table today. Um, what makes you a peculiar person, Mike? I also don't have a story quite as exciting as Connor's. I, uh, <laughs> no hair. I had to one. He, he, he beat us on that <laughs> of course one. He did. Uh, I, I live here in New York. I've been here for four years. I work in the finance industry. Uh, I'm a gay Mormon. Okay, guys. Well, obviously, there's there's like that thread that um, kind of ties you all that you're Mormon and that you're gay. I mean, Connor was not as explicit about it in his answer, but we got it. <laughs> gay teenage Connor grew up to be gay adult Connor. <laughs> <laughs> when I first came up with the idea of doing a podcast, it was really because of my experience in New York City. I've been living here for six years. You meet so many interesting people. And really, uh, the thought process was, wow, like there are so many people that are Mormon um, that who also just happen to be really fascinating individuals. Um, so once we started down this road, and we've done you know six or seven of these now, um, our team, one of the most talked about subjects, and one of the things that we found was most fascinating was the fact that the, you know there are gay members of the church that um, are out you know and um, living their best life so to speak and they're also very active members of the church and in my mind you know that is the definition of a pioneer at the definition of um, a trailblazer for a lot of people and an innovator in a lot of ways and this was the subject these were people that we felt right away we wanted to get and just hear from not so much about um, you know their beliefs or necessarily doctrinal things regarding that but just about who they are as individuals and, and allow them to kind of tell their story so what we kind of want to do today on the podcast was um, we put together sort of a Q&A we've had a lot of people that are either fans of the show write in or some of our editors at thepeculiarpeople.com as well and just kind of get a dialogue going back and forth about some of the things people are most interested in hearing from you from your unique perspective as gay active members of the LDS church so the way I would like to do it is just kind of um, I'll pitch a question out to you guys and um, some of the topics that we felt like would people would want to hear most about and just kind of have a conversation with each other and with you know I'll sort of act as the voice of um, the reason. listeners and <laughs> what did you say the voice of reason yeah the voice of reason <laughs> um, and we'll, we'll kind of go from there. Um, so the first one, and I definitely want to hear from all three of you on this one, but um, maybe, Mike, we can start with you. What do you find that are the unique challenges of being an active gay member? And, and is it different in New York versus, you think, in other areas of the country or the world to be able to, to be that? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think it's unique being openly gay and Mormon and I, I definitely think it's different in New York than it is in Utah um, I guess just to back up a little bit as, as active members of the church and being gay I think we're presented with a few different options uh, the first option being we can be openly gay and active members of the church but not act on any of, of our, our, our feelings right so remain celibate remain uh, most likely single but be able to fully participate in the church. Um, the other option being you can be as active as possible, but still date and hopefully get married one day. Um, to a man. To a man, right? Because then there's some people would say the op there's the option to marry a woman, 
while still being an arcade, but absolutely. Just I just yeah, that's another story. option definitely. And then the last option being what historically I think gay members have done is is actually leaving the church. Um, and and all of them present different unique situations and, and difficulties. Um, if you're going to be an, an active member of the church and and remain celibate, you're in this culture that encourages family members, uh, sorry, encourages people to build a family and, and, and develop relationships in that way and, and really you're not able to, right? The second option being that you can be as active as possible but, but be gay and, and that's um, kind of what, what I've chosen to do. I've been dating my boyfriend for the last three years. Uh, we go to church every other week in the LDS church and we go to mass on, on the other off weeks. So he's Catholic? He's Catholic. He was raised very religious um, and so we decided a while back that we would alternate uh, and try and understand each other's religious mm -hmm. beliefs. But that also presents yourself with a unique situation because I'm not able to fully participate in all of the activities and the ordinances that the church offers. So whichever option you take, um, you're presented with, with unique challenges and it's definitely not, not easy, right? But I think as we, as we make a choice and stick to that, I think we can make it work. Yeah, I agree. I think in, in any of the situations, somehow you're, you're, you're choosing to give up one of those things and they're difficult things to, to decide between and I think that's one of the unique challenges. Um, you know, I, I was not out when I was in, lived in Utah, so I don't know what that, the culture of, of being out in Utah is like versus being um, out in New York. I moved to the city about a year ago um, after living in Nashville for about five years and that's where I came out. Um, and and even, even there, the differences between being in New York where um, being gay is uh, a very common thing for members and non-members. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely did know there is some difference of how people casually, even within the church, uh, approach someone who's gay versus uh, outside of New York versus in New York where it's just so common. There's right. so many right. um, and it's such a, 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 yeah, a very familiar thing for people to come across. Do you find that that is, that New York is sort of a destination for gay Mormons because of that, or is it just, do you think that there is, I mean, I, I don't know, but you know, are there as many in all of these places, or do you feel like it's easier to come to New York and, or a place like New York, a bigger city, and be more open about that just because of the sheer fact that you have more uh, uh, gay people around, or maybe the attitude is different? Potentially, I don't know if I ever felt that way specifically. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I think if you look even, and non-Mormon people, uh, gays, where you know New York, and there's certain other places around the country where are more stronger uh, gay communities. Um, but I think once being here, for me personally, noticing how prevalent it is and the difference, uh, the difference of how many how common it is since being here. Well, you Connor. <laughs> Same with uh, Matt. I have only been out since living in New York. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> although all of my, I think, all of my Utah friends know um, that I'm gay. My extended family doesn't, though. Um, anyway, I would say, though, 
one of the unique challenges that that presents kind of touching on what Mike said is you have to decide kind of your options and um, and sometimes it's not it, is it sorry to cut you off but is there is there an is there another option you know like you talked a little bit about marrying a woman or you can live a celibate life or you participate as much as you can but obviously there are certain things you can't do if you're also living um, the lifestyle of being gay um, but is that just something that's been implicit implicit or um, I feel like they're just kind of what developed they're like who, what you see as when you see gay Mormons come out are are those kind of the options um, I just I, I don't feel like it's things that I feel like it just has has developed mm-hmm. the, uh, that those are the options so what I guess one challenge is back uh, like when I very first started coming out I would be like I'm gay I've never done anything about it I never plan on doing anything about it like I plan on being solid my whole life um, but what, what I've realized since then is I, d- I really don't know I, th- I thought I was immune to um, like I knew I was gay but I think I felt like I was kind of immune to falling away or like doubting um, or questioning immune from from um, you know wanting to date guys but as as I've kind of gotten older I guess um, I realize I'm not immune to that and so I don't lead with that anymore I don't tell my family I'm never gonna date because who knows maybe I will um, and so that that that's can I ask question. then like this is a not a question that this is a personal personal question that it makes me think of ever since I was like six years old I have been interested in girls you know like really attracted to girls I knew it you know like and my libido has played a part in pretty much every decision I've made (laughs) you know like to that point and I I wonder you know do you feel that that is unique to you that you are able to maybe consider that or how realistic is it that someone you know because I've I've always been like if I'm if I was gay um, I just don't think I could ever make that choice that you were talking about where I could just be solid and either be celibate or date a woman and do you find that there are people that that is easier for or do you all kind of have struggle with that same because men men are wired a little differently than you know women um, where a a physical attraction our sex drive you know that's really our uh, biological urge to procreate you know so how would you answer that question just from out of my curiosity Maybe each of you. I'll jump in and say, stepping back from Mormonism, there are people who in their lives have remained celibate from birth to death. If you look at the Catholic Church, um, priests and nuns historically remain celibate, right? Uh, Monks remain celibate. So I think it is possible. I think it depends what your commitment level is to that. For me personally, I don't think I would be able to. I think it would lead me into a deep depression. Um, and I would question my purpose for being here. Yeah. Um, but I think other people have the ability and the strength to, to remain celibate. Definitely. Yeah, I guess I, I had a couple of thoughts in terms of, you mentioned like someone's avil- ability to uh, be attracted or be interested in someone of the opposite or same sex, depending on what it is. And <coughs> Excuse me. 
someone once described as your sexuality is not a lot of times we define it in terms of black and white but there are many shades of gray and so I think uh, 50 to to be exact actually Um, and between where you know we all fall in that that spectrum in in different ways and so uh, it ends up becoming a very personal thing of where uh, where you end up and where you think you based on those attractions and how you feel towards the same gender or opposite gender um, you know where you how you make those decisions we were talking about earlier of either staying celibate or um, you know, entering into marriage with either one of the sexes. Um, I agree. I think that sex drive probably has a huge, huge uh, role in that, um, in in how people decide to go what direction. But but I also I had the thought of, you know, we as as human beings are are wired to connect and to de- form meaningful relationships with other people. Like that's how yeah. we're developed and. You know, so to say to to someone no, excluding sexually, like to not develop uh, a deep romantic connection and emotional connection um, with another human is is a, a you know a difficult thing to not do that. It's, right, especially in a church that encourages you and it's from from when you graduate yeah. or when you enter in, maybe when you got permission, like you are encouraged to date, date, date until you get married. Yeah. Makes it tough. And I guess I should have framed the question more of because yeah, it really it's maybe it's less about my your sex drive or your libido, but also just that that emptiness that I feel as a single adult not married is what drives me also to you know I have this burning desire to get to get married, start a family, to have intimacy, to have like love, and I cannot I I it's hard for me to imagine you know not being able to do anything with that, and so I guess that's probably the harder part, and the part of the question that I probably should have put put up front more than just the sex drive because the sex drive it it maybe drives some of the actions that lead to the physical intimacy but the intimacy in general to, you know we that's universal that everybody's going to want that and so um, I find that really interesting to get your takes on you know how you could still have it or what what you you know how that informs that choice that you would end up having to make so I would go as far as to say that my relationships since coming out have become more intimate post coming out versus pre. Um, but I don't mean that in a romantic way necessarily. For example, then this isn't just me, but I feel like before coming out, guys are always like, I'm afraid that like guys will be afraid of me and I'm afraid that girls like won't even care that I exist anymore. Um, but I found it to be the opposite. My relationships with both men and women have strengthened since I've come out. Um, straight men as well. Um, and I don't know why that is. Uh, the, the, obviously because my guard has come down and I'm not afraid of interacting with people anymore. I'm not afraid that guys are going to think that I'm hitting on them and I'm not afraid that girls are going to think I'm trying to date them. And so with that guard down, I have the best relationships right now in my life uh, than any time previously and I and I would equate that to having to coming up so on that point Connor kind of um, and I throw this out to all of you but um, I think the inverse is also true as a straight member or just doesn't you know as a person when my friends come out it's like how how should I change my interaction with them or anything like that and people are on and the inverse on probably on both sides 
tippy-toeing around how to engage with each other because it's so taboo. And that's one of the reasons I thought it would be so great to have you guys on is to just sort of shed the, the just the topic of let's talk about it, you know? So, um, like, what do you find is, like, the most commonly asked question since coming out um, from your Mormon friends and or non-Mormon friends about, you know, being in that situation of being a gay Mormon? And like, what are the most common um, misnomers about your interactions with them? I think some of the most common questions are like, what's your plan? What are you going to do? Um, like, are you going to get married? Are you going to stay celibate? They don't always ask that directly because it's, because if you think about it, it's kind of a personal question. Um, but I, closer people are not afraid of asking that. Um, but I think, I think there is a common misconception that they need, that people need to be anxiously engaged in my sexuality. Um, and that's simply not the case. And does that bother you? It bothers me. Does that bother you? Wait, your say that again. I, I like, like, everyone doesn't need to be an advocate for me like and and honestly what people can do what we want from people at least me i can i can only speak for myself what i want is to just be real don't talk to me about my sexuality and i won't talk to you about yours like well because that's that's another question that i find so interesting nobody ever identifies me by my sexuality it's never a topic of conversation really um and so does how how would you suggest, like, how do you deal with that? The fact that, and or is it the case that your your sexual identity and your identity as a person are always bucketed together? Um, and does that bother you, or is do you find that that is something that comes to territory? Or well, one thing that I had thought was uh, when Connor was talking was, um, I think being gay and growing up, it's something that how many years do you, does it take up such a large part of your mental being but you don't talk about it so also you're coming out and then it's like oh now this thing that i've never talked about i can now talk about openly and i think at least for me there was a little bit of a process of like okay now that i'm actually verbalizing so many of these thoughts and these feelings that i had i'd never verbalized for so many years it was a little bit of a, a, a process and getting to a point where i felt comfortable and i think it, it's it, there's a balance of Sometimes it's like, yeah, I, I have no problem talking about it and making reference to it and, and, you know, making a joke here or there, whatever. And then the other times it's like, it's it's not relevant and, and it doesn't need to be a part of the conversation. So I think there's a balance. But again, it's it's been a process getting to a point where I myself felt comfortable or I'm, w had to learn to feel comfortable talking about it mm -hmm. openly. Mm -hmm. To your point, you, Connor, had mentioned that, like, you don't need people to come and be advocates for your gayness or whatever. Right. Um, would you have any advice from for people that, you know, sort of have this uh, question about you know they may be unsure how to approach to certain topics like temple marriage or you know like worship how how to best worship together? What would you what would you want them to understand? I think when it comes to worship we as gay members of the church know what the doctrine is so we're not going to be offended when someone talks about temple marriage between a man and a woman uh, we've heard it 
we're going to continue to hear it as, as we attend church, and we know that. Um, so really, if, if we're offended by that, that's on us. So I would just say, you know, go about your lives and teach the doctrine that you know to be true. Uh, don't tiptoe around anything. Um, we're grown adults, and hopefully we know how to, how to handle our emotions when we hear those types of topics. I agree. I love yeah. That's great. That's great. Um, do you find that there are a lot of people that seek out your mentorship or advice that are maybe not out, that are gay, that are members? And um, is that a role that you feel comfortable taking on? You said that are members? Yeah. Or maybe even not. I mean... It's very, I think it's very unique that you're also, you know, members of a very uh, conservative religion as well. But um, is that, it, do you find that that, knowing that people know that you are a member and are gay, that you've had more people, like, open up to you about it? So I, I was going to say that both Mike and Matt at some point for me were were those people that I talked to about it. Um, Ironically, that we're all together, and I think that it's important for uh, for any for any gay person, I guess, as they're coming out, to have someone to talk to. So yes, I have had uh, those opportunities where people have sought me out to talk about it, to talk about being a gay Mormon, talk about being gay in general, to talk about being Mormon in general, um, and I think it's important to be that person for um, for them, and I also think that it's important to kind of stay neutral in that as well though yeah i agree i think i when i came out there were a handful of people that immediately then in return came out to me i well i think that's a good example of me and connor <laughs> when i came out to him he immediately came out to me and, same with mike. and same with mike. <laughs> yeah um so i'm i'm happy to you know be a a, a source of uh someone to bounce feelings and thoughts but i think the big thing is I think sometimes people who are gay and Mormon and they're struggling with the choices are come maybe come to you looking for a validation in whichever choice that they want to do, um, and I think it's important to, to to help other people remember like this is your life, this is your agency, and you can choose what you want to do. And at the end of the day, I'm I'm not going to judge you or think anything. And I'm not going to try to sway you in any certain way that I think you should go. At the end of the day, this is something, what you it's choose to personal. do, it's personal. It's between you and, and the Lord. Um, you know, I, I'm happy to, to share my experiences, and but I'm not going to tell you this is what you have. This is what you should be doing because that's, you know, not my place. So on the sort of the other side of that coin, what about the people who, so just to give you a little perspective, my dad is gay and when I was uh, 11 or he came out when I was 11 my parents divorced when I was 9 he was excommunicated um, completely fell away from the church you know I, I come from a family of five five kids he had, he had five kids and you know he, he went through his own personal journey where he's he was very anti-Mormon for a long time. It was a different time, you know, people in terms of culturally were definitely not as accepting. Um, certainly not as tolerant, but, you know, definitely not as accepting either. Um, but he's kind of come full circle back to this point where 
Um, he's kind of put away some of the hatred for the church. Um, but, but I think his question would be, and what about the people that see it as sort of um, a paradox, that, that it's hard to marry the fact that you are an active member of this church that in their mind they don't see as uh, welcoming for someone who's gay. Like, what would you say to them? There definitely are a lot of contradictions, right? The doctrine and policy, more importantly, of the church contradicts, at least for me, the lifestyle I've chosen to, to live. Um, so there are those contradictions, but when I've been asked that question before and really thought about my answer, I think, I mean, why do I stay in the church? Number one, I have a testimony of the restoration of the gospel, number one. Um, I know that God loves me. I know that he knows me personally. Um, I have a testimony of my Savior. Couple that with the community of the church, which is, again, very different than the church policy. The community is very accepting. You go to any city in the world, and immediately you have a community that surrounds you right. and is there to support you. Yeah. So take those two things. That's the reason that, that I've chosen to stay in the church. I have a testimony, and I love the community and the the fellowship of the church mm -hmm. and quite frankly I felt very accepted uh, in the community here in New York my YSA ward um, both by the the leadership as well as as the fellow members um, can I just follow up since your boyfriend is Catholic and you know the Catholic stance on um, homosexuality has also been you know under a microscope for years how does he do you find that there that um, other conservative Christian religions, you you see a similar scenario as what you're doing in your religion, and you know how is how would you say his experience, you know, in the Catholic Church since coming out as gay, has changed? Uh, so the Catholic Church, although they do have a similar policy, they're much more liberal with it. Mm -hmm. So with the different uh, congregations that we attend, they have LGBT. Uh, groups that meet during the week and it's announced over the pulpit that would never happen in, in the mormon church at least how the mormon church stands now so i think it's very different um but and, and the catholic congregations are, are very accepting as well and very welcoming so do you find any of you can answer this that you know a lot of other people that are you know out and gay and still very active within their uh religious organization um, like Christian members or that you know of? No. I don't know enough uh, okay. gay non-members yeah, to agree. speak to that, who are religious, I guess. I think it's very common in the New York community to find that the gay community is not religious, right? They don't practice religion, right. at least actively. Right. Um, that's a lot more common than finding anyone who's religious, yeah. from my experience. Do you... I guess, and I don't know if this could e would even be worth asking or making it in, but do you, f do you find that as you've come out that you, and your gay network, I don't know if your gay network expands, or, you know, that you find then a pressure to, or a pressure to live a different lifestyle than you do, um, just by that sheer fact at all? Because, I mean, I know, like, um, a lot of my gay friends really happen to live a very much more liberal lifestyle. It seems that it comes with the territory, and there's a, there's a very proud 
um, group of L LGBTQ people that you know um, would find conservative religion to be oppressive. And do you, have you felt that at all, or do you find that you you know tend to associate just more with your Mormon friends? I definitely uh, hang out with my Mormon friends the most. Um, and once in a while, some former member gay friends. Um, and honestly, it yeah, that just comes to, I think, my personality and my taste. Like, um, I prefer to do the things that my Mormon friends do as yeah. opposed to, like, what my coworkers do or what my, like, former Mormon gay friends choose to do. Uh, I think that just is my personality, honestly. But I think it goes back to what Mike was saying about the, the sense of community. I mean, at the end of the day, there's the Mormon church, but then there's the Mormon just culture that comes from not drinking, not doing certain activities on Sundays. Like, there's right, just, right. there are many aspects that, regardless of sexuality, it's like, these are the people that I have so many other things in common with, whereas maybe non-members, gay or straight, I just, I there those other lifestyle choices that I don't you know do and so it's harder to build meaningful relationships because of maybe some of those other aspects of, of just being Mormon you know right. so along that like same vein then in the future like for forgetting doctrine you know culturally is there any like thing that you feel um, in an ideal world that you'd like to see different in the LDS church in regards to this situation and this topic? Or, you know, do you feel, do you take it upon yourself to navigate it as is? I would love to see the church loosen up their, their policy on gay members. Um, I was quite taken back when they, they released the policy a few years ago regarding uh, gay members and their children. And I would hope over time that, that that policy would be either loosened or reversed in some way. Um, and as I talk with members in Utah, uh, with family, friends, um, as well as members here, I see a community that is slowly becoming more accepting of the gay community and seeing that being a gay member of the church doesn't necessarily mean you fit the stereotypical gay person right and yeah. do you I mean do you guys feel like the fact that we're in 2017 and and you know your young men that are gay and they're Mormon do you you know that's changed a lot from from 10 years totally. years yep. and what do you do you do you see it, it different in 10 years from now like if you if you were you know your as Connor put it, gay teenage hairless cell. <laughs> you know, ten years from now compared to today, do you like uh, imagine how it will be, and can compare and contrast to what you th you know how it was for you coming out now? Like, what are some of those potential positives or negatives that that you might see? I feel like if I was ten, you know, fifteen right now, I would have come out a lot earlier in life because of uh, the you know it being so much more talked about and the church providing as many resources that they do now in regards to the topic and that there are people who are out and gay and Mormon wars I feel like growing up I didn't know a single gay Mormon I don't I'm trying to think I didn't meet an active gay Mormon until I don't even know probably mid-20s I don't I'm trying to think maybe mm -hmm. after college yeah I can, 
since when I came to New York. Probably, when, yeah. when Mike came out to me, that was the, maybe. Yeah. And over the past three years, if you look at how many members of our ward have come out, right. it's quite surprising and it it's nice to see that people are comfortable being themselves and being open about who they are. Agreed. Right. I think I think sometimes I, I forget personally, I maybe sometimes I worry that we in New York we live in a bubble where it's like because there are so many people who are out and gay, sometimes maybe we forget there are other parts of the world or the US that it's not like that and it's it's difficult. So hopefully having more conversations, even, you know, like something like this can help the people who maybe aren't in a community as open and as accepting as you know the community and that we are fortunate enough to live in yeah i agree with that and i would hope i so i personally like as a teenager i was so closeted i was con- i was convinced that i could become straight some people still think i can um and i think that what's what will change eventually and i don't know what will happen because of it but you'll have out uh, out gay teenagers who are then going to be out gay missionaries. What is that going to do? What is that going to look like? I have no idea, but it's going to be interesting to see um, what develops. Because yeah, it's a really I, interesting thought. Yeah. I mean, I never met an openly gay active member until I moved to New York. Yeah. You know, and I didn't know they existed. And I thought that was so cool, you know, just considering my familiar experience, because, you know, everybody has a family member that's gay um but it's it, it always felt like it was this like either or you know and, and and nowadays it definitely doesn't feel that way as much anymore and i love that idea of you know um it, re- it really is church doctrine that people that there is a place for you and and like it's a doctrine of love and and, and that um putting aside the what ordinances or whatever someone can participate in you know like the fact that there are people you know that you see every week that are just you know standing for that and coming and they, they love the community and what you're saying about a lot of people assume it's the opposite and so when you said the mormon culture and community is something that you yearn to to participate in that blew me away just in 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 terms of talking to a lot of people in my own experiences that people would assume that they would just feel isolated and alone and you know that kind of thing. Well, Matt kind of t- touched on that, though. I guess we all have touched on that. We also may live in a bubble. I live in a ward where we can go to a drag show with my gay Mormon, like, uh, friends. Friends. <laughs> <laughs> friends. <laughs> what What's are we? <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, and that's not weird. And right. And so I personally don't feel suppressed here. As an out gay Mormon in Utah, maybe I would feel that way. Or California or Idaho, definitely. I don't know. But, like, we have each other here. And that that, that isn't the same everywhere. And so I think we, um, we have an advantage. Can I just jump in there and say it had to start somewhere, right? And I don't think it started that long ago. It was where, it's been in the last three years. Yeah. Where in, now, in New York. Now there's one or two handfuls of people in our ward who are out, right? So hopefully that starts to happen in Salt Lake and L.A. and Portland and across the United States where people feel comfortable being that pioneer, which you mentioned earlier, um, coming out and and setting an example that that we can be active members of the church and be gay. 
And I, I really think that that, like, even within the last year, it's become something that, uh, it, that for me, that's where I'm like, yeah. Yeah, that's where I've really been experiencing it. It's like, oh, this person is out, and, and uh, you know, I've had friends. And, and, you know, everybody's experience seems to be a little unique and different, and that's part of the reason because, you know, you guys all have different approaches and different backgrounds, you know, and in terms of how you're choosing to live that. And that's what, that's what I love about it, and just getting that dialogue started, I think, is important. Yeah. Um, so, really, did you have a comment on that? <clears throat> I was just going to say, I think amongst people our age, it's probably a dialogue that happens quite uh, frequently. But where I think it's important to have the dialogue is our parents. Like, I don't know how much my parents talk about it. I have no idea. But I think that's the age group that needs to change the most. I right. think is, are they having those conversations? Because I'm not sure if they are. Well, and that typically, I think, is similar under a lot of subjects in terms of when you talk about it uh, generationally, you know, yeah. and how to... I guess change someone's complete mindset is it's difficult it's even you know it was difficult on my extended family and what I know what I, what it seems like is a really positive is that the younger generation and you know the millennial generation um, they are willing to talk about these kind of things and you know it was sim- it was it was interesting we did a podcast with a guy who started a nonprofit that um, their whole aim is to essentially just talk to people about the science behind pornography addiction and its effects on the human brain. And he happens to be Mormon, and we, we talked a little bit about that as a topic that's also very taboo within um, Mormon culture that has only recently been something people were willing to talk about. And just having a dialogue about some of these subjects that just people don't in, don't enga- in the past haven't engaged in um, that's where I think, like, older generation, it's almost part ignorance, you know, because it's something right. they've never talked about, right? Right. But they're the ones that are the parents to the teenagers right. who are hopefully being influential in that movement, I guess. But it won't be long before our friends are the parents to those teens. True. Right. And hopefully they'll have the open dialogue, right. which I think they will. Right. So what advice would you give... Um, your 15 year old self you know if you could go back um and and talk to them today or maybe 15 year old other people that are you know in your in the same situation that you were i think for me it was as soon as i began to accept that i was gay and and that was not going to change is when like my life really started to shift i like was as a teenager, as a 15 year old, I was already beginning to, to shun and hide, hide parts of my personality away because I recognized that they were stereotypically gay. Like I was a big theater kid as a teenager, but that's something from my sophomore year of high school through college that I hid um, because I didn't want anyone thinking I was gay. And so I think telling my 15 year old self, it's not going to change. Like you're not going to turn straight. I obviously in the encouraging way to myself um and and letting myself love my talents and develop my talents and interests um even though they were stereotypically gay 
um, I think that would have been. So you were you had situations where you're like, oh, I love this, but oh, it's so stupid. Yeah, it would be I, gay. I can't be out. <laughs> happy about it. Quite a bit. I I I pick my battles, and and uh, musical theater was a battle I wasn't willing to fight. <laughs> I love it, and that's why I, when I were talking earlier, I definitely get my share of Broadway in right now. Yeah. What about you, Matt? Anything? Uh, yeah, I would. You know. In some regards, I feel fortunate that I had a good teenage life to, for all intents and purposes. You know, I don't think I, you know, ever fell into that the, maybe the bully ca- being bullied category or or any of those things. Um, I think that maybe I would tell myself, um, don't be talk about this open more openly sooner than later. You know, don't don't wait so long to just be to allow yourself to be uh, open. About to yourself things. or to other people, um, or both. Right? Yeah, probably both. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's always easier looking back to to say, "Oh, I wish I would have." Or um, I think you have to do things at the pace you're comfortable with. And for all of us, I think we held back a little bit longer than we we wish we would have. Um, so my advice would just be, you know, let it let it come out when when you're ready for it but at the same time don't force anything like let it come when when you're ready i almost disagree with that (laughs) i think at this point i think it's time like it's time uh to to i think there's no harm in coming out and so the sooner the better and so i would encourage i i previously was like go at your pace but now I'm like, it's time. Let's do it. You, once you start talking about it, get it out there. That's my opinion. So sorry to contradict you so blatantly, but I disagree. But you know what's interesting about that is that there's probably some people that are listening that are going to be like, uh, feel that way, where you know, like I'm not comfortable yet. I'm not ready yet. There's all of these, and then there's probably people that are just waiting for someone to tell them to come out. Maybe yeah. you know, maybe it's both. You know, because yeah. it's, it's like all of your experiences. And I, what I think is cool is that, you know, you both know Connor, but you don't necessarily know each other. We don't know each other. Um, and your experiences are all like very unique. You know, there is no like one generalized way to do it. It's all, it's one of those type of things that um, is going to be unique and very personal for everybody, as you were saying, like your relationship with your family, your relationship with, you, with God. Um and how you marry those things together. So it's interesting to find different per, different perspectives on that. Yeah. Do you feel like, you know, since, you know, you've recently come out, your actual experience um, with the gospel has changed? Or do you feel like, you know, you're, you're, you're experiencing all the same things that you did beforehand? Um, and, you know, from an outsider's perspective, do you find that it's different for you than it would be maybe for me? Um... I don't know if I'd say I experienced the gospel differently. I mean, I, I think there is an overall difference in um, my personal mindset and um, of just like not having to worry about coming out. Like I think we mentioned earlier at one point in time how the coming out process is weighs a lot on you, and then once you kind of overcome it, it because it, that burden that burden to an extent is lifted, and so. I, and and I guess I wouldn't say I've, I've felt my gospel uh, experience change that much. No more different than a, sh- a straight person or anyone else progresses 
as they live the gospel and their testimony evolves and it grows and it changes and um, and I think the same thing has happened from when I was closeted to now that I'm out it's just been a, a progression yeah and I think that uh, we we have a few I think unique differences but as far as like the day to day we our temptations are similar to the same to anybody else's um, in the church and out of the church um, and but one thing that has changed in my I guess relationship with the gospel or my outlook is having not to worry or think about marriage I, I don't think about it um, with a guy or a girl me personally and that's a huge relief to like Interesting. I, the stress of uh, of my earlier life of you know needing to get married the the whole dating world the fact that i don't think about that is so nice and i'm and that's like a huge advantage being gay i think than uh to not being gay so it's actually i started giving you a little freedom in a sense. oh totally but but with more freedom comes more responsibility <laughs> yeah. um i think though now I have more to live up to because I am only living for myself, right. which means I have so much more time to focus on others. And so in theory, I should be becoming a more charitable and Christ-like person in my interactions with people um, because I don't have a family to take care of. But I think... Is that something that you don't see yourself ever doing? Having, having a, family? a family? Me personally, no. Um, what about you guys? That's a hard. That's a hard topic. That's a hard thing for at least for me to answer. I I think, I I I appreciate what Connor just said about not having to worry about marriage. I think maybe I'd never really thought about it in that type of a way. But I definitely think that is there's some truth to that as well in terms of like, like oh I don't have to be thinking about it like I had been. But the thought like it's of, not a pressure anymore. Yeah, it's not a pressure anymore. I guess to say. But I think for me personally, I. Mm, I, I, that's too. The thought of having a family is too much to think about, so I just don't do it. Yeah, that's that's probably where I sit. And because we can, because we cannot, we can choose to not think about it. Yeah. See, and my situation's completely different. Right. I agree with you that when I was dating girls, it was a very stressful situation, and I was constantly being pressured, like, when are you going to get married? When are you going to have a family? And now that I'm dating someone who I love that stress is completely gone. Yeah. Like I don't have those outside pressures, but at the same time, actually enjoy what I'm doing. Whereas before it was like this forced thing. Mm-hmm. But for me, I, I definitely want a family. I, I don't know how that would happen, right? And there's a lot to think about, but it's always been something that I've wanted. Yeah. I definitely, I mean like, not to say that I hate kids or... <laughs> Um, my most recent thought is uh, surrogacy and I don't know if or when I would feel settled enough as a single man to get to that point and that's probably something that the church doesn't know too much about can talk to so I but it's something that I've thought about I'd rather I would rather just have kids and no spouse than a spouse <laughs> right now Right. Like I was saying earlier, um, I don't know what the future is going to hold, but that's how I feel right now. 
Yeah, like I said, I, the thought of having kids is so far out of my thought process. I just don't dwell on it. It's interesting because, you know, like, for me as, as, like, a single LDS person that's, you know, now 30, like, there's so much... I mean, I don't really necessarily feel it, but that is the pressure, you know. That is the thought process that I have on a daily basis. Like, when I'm going to meet that person, when am I going to get married, and I, you know, want kids. So I just thought it would be interesting to come, you know, from your unique perspectives on whether or not that is still something that you feel feel the desire to or need yeah. to. I guess I'll pose a question back to you, and I think we were, someone was having this conversation maybe last summer of, like, if you, if as, as a straight member, if you knew you would never be in a relationship. Oh, yeah. How would that change your life? Like, what decisions would you make differently? Well, someone was asking me, that's actually a really interesting question, because I think, I don't know if it was on the podcast or if I was just having a conversation, and they said, you know, I mentioned that, because I had had just recently sort of kind of come to this clarity of thought when I turned 30 that the advice I'd like to give my younger self is to free up my worry about that exact thing because I found myself saying no to a lot of opportunities to just live my life and enjoy experiences because I thought maybe I needed to be putting myself in a in a different situation so that I could maybe meet somebody mm-hmm. if that makes sense yeah. or it was more it was less about actual physical scenarios than it was a mindset of you know if I met if I just met somebody then where I am in life is is good instead of now where I just feel like what I should be doing is just going experiencing life every every scenario that you can and you know like maybe it's that same freedom you're feeling Connor where it's kind of like uh, if you're not constantly dwelling on that you what else do you dwell on like I recently uh, went on a dating fast for like five months on purpose on purpose because I found that my approach to it was skewed and when I did that I came up with this idea for the podcast like honestly like it and it wasn't just it wasn't just that it was just like getting away from that dominating my thoughts freed me up to do a lot of other things and I actually almost feel closer to that goal than I did before so that's kind of it's still there but it, you know what I mean like I wish I had I had told myself like it's okay at 25 when I was first considered a menace to society for not being married to just allow that to come naturally and to just go experience and do life and really truly have faith that God ha- had that in the cards for me. Yeah. And I think that was part of me, you know, my process of trying to not control everything <laughs> as well. Because I'm sort of a control freak too. I want to have everything mapped out, but that's not the way life works. Right. So that's a really interesting question. Yeah. Um, so... On a lighter note, though, like, do either of you have any, like, interesting reactions to when you do, you did decide to to speak your truth, come out and, and, and say it? Like, I remember I remember laughing. I could not stop laughing when I came out to Connor. I do remember that. Because I just thought it was so, like, of course I came out to you and you come out to me. Like, of course this is happening right now. Like, and I just laughed. Wait, so tell that, tell that story. How did that happen? Well... That's a, it's kind of a long story. All right, well, give, well, me the, not, give me the abridged version. So Matt and I first met. Matt lived in Nashville. We met through a mutual friend. Um, we, became, like, we became friends while still living in Nashville and New York, respective, or whatever, separate yeah. from each other. Matt came to New York New Year's 2015. 14. Um, 
15. Oh. <laughs> sure, I don't remember. Okay. Continue. Um, and, yeah, I mean, you... you well, we, we became friends. Neither one of us were out um, that whole weekend, but... And then after I went back to Nashville, I'm like, I, I should probably come out to Connor. Like, well, you're that, missing the fun parts of the story yeah. where... People, the subway? People, yeah. There was someone in. There was someone on uh, on the subway. We'd just gotten out of a Broadway We had show. only known each other, again, not very well. Right. This was like our first time... Ever hanging out. Ever hanging out outside of Nashville with a lot of other people. And some woman on the train took a fancy to Matt. They talked about Broadway for a second. And then she had to get off the subway and she turned to me and she said, you're a lucky man. <laughs> and both of us at the time were closeted. Very closeted. <laughs> <laughs> I and think we so just laughed. We just laughed because I think, I don't he know, I think we did. both thought each other were good yeah. anyway. And That's so, so funny. It, it was just like, it was just kind of So funny. then like two weeks later, I was texting you. No, him. it was literally the day after you went home. Oh, the day after home I was texting. But again, I, well, I think what was funny is because at least in those early years, every time I would come out, it was such like this, like build up, like oh my goodness, okay, I'm gonna come out to this person, like get ready for it, like and then I come out to him, the big moment, and then he comes back with I'm gay too, and it was just uh, funny. That's all. Was it in a text? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was over. Yeah. So you're just like waiting for the three dots to be like, what's, what's, gonna, what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? And then <laughs> did you just say I'm gay too? I don't remember <laughs> either. I'm not feeling yeah. But as far as oh, other funny stories of coming out, it, I mean, when you first start coming out, it's not easy. It's not funny. Not at all. It's heavy, and it's and and the motion is just very thick. Um, I guess the funny ones are now, when people are like, yeah. "Oh, I had no idea you were gay," right. or um, so, like as soon as my I've been in my job for just over a month now, and we don't talk about dating at all yeah. but I'm sure at, at some point something's going to happen and it's going to be funny because I'm going to be like actually yeah it's not like in the fashion industry where that's the first they thing just people talk about <laughs> <laughs> um, everybody's wearing it on their sleeve where I work all right when I came out I had been living in New York for four or five months and Connor had just moved into my apartment there are four guys living in there uh, and I hadn't come out to anyone at that point I had been dating my boyfriend for a few months and uh, I came out to one of the roommates, and he came out to me. I came out to the other one, and he came out to me. You're kidding. <laughs> and so I thought, okay, three of the four of us are gay. Well, did you know? I came out to the fourth one, and he comes out to me. Well, before, <laughs> right? before we get to that, though, my second Sunday, or my second week in New York, I was in this apartment with apparently three gay guys and myself, and I came, I was like, Mike, I feel like this apartment has a secret. Do you remember this? I don't remember. You, remember you, you guys were living together? Yeah. So yeah. you're one of them. He had just we moved were, in. We yeah. were living yeah. together, but not how that sounds. Well, yeah, um, obviously. Roommates. <laughs> uh, and, and I this said. This sounds like a sitcom, first of all. Right. I, was like, <laughs> what the, there's a, I feel like there's a secret. I feel like you guys all have a secret. And we didn't talk about it again because I didn't know all the other guys were gay until a year after that, probably. But yeah. Because Connor hadn't come out to everyone. Right. But four Mormon guys living in an apartment in New York and we're all gay without knowing it. <laughs> one of them was pretty obvious. One, one was out. Yeah, one, one of them was out and, and he was out of the church I too. Just, I just want to find it funny is, is like how long it took before you guys all realized that and was there like, hey man, I'm going out on a date tonight. Oh cool, good luck man. I hope you... uh 
hit that. Or did it was just like a no dating happening? I mean, Mike, so when I moved to the city, which was March of 2014, Mike was already dating. His he started boyfriend. dating in January. Yeah. I don't know if I can say names, so I'm not saying names. Um, and so I've only known Mike since he, since he was dating. Okay. Um, and I, uh, Mike kind of was there at different times when I had like a fling. Um, and so, but it was, I, 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 it, so now to answer your question, there wasn't like, oh, hey, I'm going on a date. And because the other guy was pretty closeted as well. And so it was pretty taboo. I, Mike and I talked about it. And then Mike and the other roommate talked about it. But like, we didn't all talk about this it. This is probably a dumb question. But at what point did you stop like dating women? Or, the, you know. The girl, the last girl I tried to date knows. She knows that she was the last girl I tried to date. And she loves telling people that. <laughs> <laughs> um but it was uh, probably nine months before I like formally came out to her. <laughs> we didn't date. We didn't date on. We would, like went on two dates maybe. But I feel like personally I can probably count maybe on two hands the number of girls I went on first right. dates with. Like to yeah. begin with, so it wasn't like I was ever actively <laughs> dating girls by any means. So yeah, I don't know if there was a time when I stopped. It just never really happened honestly (laughs) I mean I I did I was in one relationship that was kind of on and off uh, but other than that not you know it was minimal I moved to New York and I started dating a girl right away or we went on a few dates and I was like this isn't working out in New York and then was it the same girl (laughs) no different girl different girl Um, I have to give this girl a nickname (laughs) (laughs) she knows who she is and then I was like I'm not doing this and then I was like okay I'm just gonna get on tinder I swiped what what direction did I swipe I have right I've never been on tinder (laughs) and that happened to be the guy who I'm dating now wow tinder relationship yeah I mean that's awesome yeah that one must have been right after Tinder came out. You said you guys have been together for a while, right? Uh, Tinder came out like when I was in Salt Lake. Which was like yeah, 2013. Yeah, so a few months edition. before. It, no, that was January of 2014. Yeah. So it had been like a yeah. year. Connor has all the dates. I do. It's a thing. <laughs> it's, a, it's a whole thing. <laughs> That's awesome. I could tell you where Mike went on his first date, too. Could you? Where? Um, the chocolate place. Jacques Therese. Jacques yeah. Therese. I didn't even know him at the time, and I still know that. You got a steel trap up there for a brain. Yeah. All right, guys, so we've been going for just over an hour now, and um, I don't want to keep you too late, but... Um, I feel like we're just going to listen to that. I know. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> we're pretty stiff. <laughs> well, I, I'm free. What, like... I'm sort of asked all the actual questions I had written down. So if there's anything else that we we like feel like that it's important that you know is discussed, let's let's talk about it. But definitely. Yeah, can I question. actually tell this story? This person will feel dumb, but they, I won't say names. Sure. This was just last week. I came out to this person a long time ago, and I got a text last week with a link to a YouTube video 
<clears throat> and this person, and the, so the link to the YouTube video says proof that you are not born gay and proof that you can change your sexuality. And there, there's like a picture of um, oh gosh, Ricky okay. Martin. Here we go. And this person said, who? Ricky Martin. Ricky Martin. <laughs> and this, to get you to click. Right? <laughs> didn't work. Uh, this person said, I saw this link on Facebook, thought I'd share it. I didn't read or watch it though. And okay. I, the, the first thing I said, I will not watch, LOL. And then, um, and then like I, I wrote like a very composed text that said like, thanks, I appreciate the concern, but it's not a concern. Um, and then, I mean, I could redo the text, but that's boring. It's like reading a talk. Um, but I just kind of express it like, I don't want to change my sexuality. I, I worked years to become okay with it. And this is offensive. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's, uh, that's something that I have had repeated conversations with is that like, j I'm gay, not because I don't have enough faith to pray it away. That's just how I am. Yeah. Um, and, and people don't understand that still. Um, people will, people have still said, well, have you, have you fasted about it? Have you prayed about it? Do you, ha you, do you have enough faith? And that's offensive because I'm okay with who I am. Um, and at this point I would, I wouldn't want to change that. Um, and, and also because if I were straight, maybe I wouldn't like Broadway and I like <laughs> oh. Hey, I'm straight. I like Broadway. <laughs> yeah, I always say like, I always joke that my gayness is on a sliding scale. It's like I, I I'm happily if if you want to like judge me as that this is a gay thing to like, I will own that because like Broadway and fashion and like some of those things like I drink fruity fake cocktails when I go out. <laughs> like whatever. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Totally. Do you feel that like that conversation? Those conversations are happening less. Like in terms of people trying oh, to actually yeah, totally. change your sexuality, yeah. because I feel like in the past that was like how people tried to deal with it, right? Especially like older generation. But there's also a a whole probably element of my life who I just have not had the conversation with my whole extended family. Um, I I I just they what don't are their know. Facebook names so I can send right. <laughs> um, and part of the reason is I had a gay great uncle who was disowned by the family. And so I feel like that is still um, tied to, to feelings in that side of the family. And I'm not interested in, in you know, addressing that with them. Right. But I mean, I'm, I don't know if you guys have had, have experiences like that still or what? I know, definitely, I don't feel like I've had, currently now, definitely not now, but even in the entire process, I don't feel like I had very many um, pray the gay away type conversations or people say stuff like that to me I, which I guess I'm, I'm was fortunate in that regards but so I, I'd, I'd imagine it still happens but I, yeah I've been fortunate enough to not really have to experience it for the most part people's mindsets have shifted away from the pray the gay away mindset right so I, I haven't really experienced it either well it's really interesting though I just like this topic is really interesting to me personally because I have been a person that has experienced the evolution in my own family of, and even in personally, of like when my, when my dad left the family, like, and you know, and came out as gay, there was at first a lot of anger from my siblings and his extended family. And then it shifted from anger and sort of like 
um, that whole like you you're you're being selfish and um, it's you're not actually gay you've obviously become addicted to pornography or something is, has made you this way to then years later being sort of okay we we tolerate the fact that he's gay to then years later becoming like he's he's definitely born gay but um, it's like one of those things like being born with some sort of part of your personality that could make you a serial killer and you just have to not like uh, give weight to it and then you can avoid it to then um, you're gay and we get that you're gay and we love that you're gay and now we don't know what to do because like the doctrine of the church is, is contradictory to then today where it's like my sister my oldest sister is like this is like Maybe she's, she's probably one of those friends you'd have that's too much of an advocate for your gayness, but she's like this advocate for my dad's gayness and having the conversation with her children about, you know, if they are, if their sexuality at an earlier age and, you know, how to deal with it. And so it's, it's been this, you know, that when my, when my dad came out, it was, uh, let's see, I was 11, it was 20 years ago. So this is like a 20 year experience that I've kind of got to see from the inside and the outside mm -hmm. at the same time. And so to hear like, you know, in more of a recent sense, like your guys' experience, it does, it actually gives me a lot of hope in, in like what the future of um, this subject within Mormon culture and the way it's addressed. Um, so we end every show with a, a fun game we like to play called Hot Seat. Basically the way it works is I'm going to ask you one question. Um, I'll try to make sure that uh, you guys don't have too much time to think about it because I want your true, raw, honest answers. Um, but then feel free, you know, once I've asked you the question, to flip it back on me. And then uh, we'll get out of here. We've been going for a good hour and 15 minutes now. So, um, And the question is, what is one personality trait that you have that you wish you could change? So... I Honor, think you go first. I guess I can go first. <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone who knows me would probably agree with agree with this. I am a big control person. If I'm given any kind of liberty to anything, I take control of the whole situation, um, including people's lives. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like me saying neutral on anything is kind of difficult because I control. I, I mean, I, I, I'm at least realizing it now, but I tend to take control a lot, even though, even when it's not like my responsibility. Is it your pet peeve when people are like laissez-faire? Um, Does that bother you when that? Like, yeah, when people have no initiative. Yeah. More control for me. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wish. Uh, yes. So I, I take control, but I wish that other people had more initiative a lot of time. You should hear me at. In, in more in council or bishop yes. meeting, <laughs> it's a doozy because <laughs> <laughs> not enough people have an initiative. All right, Mike, you. Uh, I'm very much an introvert, so I wish yeah. I was more extroverted. Can you say that extroverted? Yeah, that's weird. Um, more of a you know someone who can start a conversation and keep one going and. See, I feel like you're one of the best conversationalists I know, though. I'm not. I'm not so introverted to the point where I'm incredibly shy and socially awkward. Yeah. Right. But I feel very uncomfortable in a lot of social situations, to the point where if I go to a party or a large group gathering, 
I can only take so much and then I just gotta get away and take a break. Like it, it just wears me out a lot. Okay, Matt, what about you? Um, I would say uh, more uh, more aggressive in my career, I guess you could say, in terms of like... Hmm, what's ambitious? Like, I wouldn't say ambitious, but I just feel like a lot of times when, I, I, when I'm trying to get something done with another person, a lot of times I'm not uh, aggressive enough in my opinion, and sometimes I wish I was more. But sometimes on the flip side, I see people who are overbearing are you talking to me I'm sitting right next to you (laughs) (laughs) I feel like some people are really overbearing and I'm like I do not want to be like that person at all but then and then other times I'm like oh man I wish I would have spoken up and kind of interjected and been more aggressive with my opinion whatever it was not just your career I feel like I I see it manifest in my career the most Uh, but yeah it would pertain to all aspects of life yeah what about you, Nate? Mine would be, um, I can't, like, hide the way I'm feeling on my face. Oh, okay. Like, if I'm happy, like, I'm, I'm terrible at, like, um, acting, I'm terrible at, like, hiding the surprise. Like, if, if I'm feeling a way, it shows up on my face, and, like, there's no, like, I wish I could be more, like, subtle with my... I think honestly, I think that made me intimidated of you the very first, or, or first couple of interactions. Oh which really? Were like years ago. Yeah, I, I think the first time we met was at like um, in the Hamptons. In the Hamptons, yeah. Yeah, and which I, by the way, I always say that I have a great gaydar. I've always thought that. I did not think you were gay. Really? No. Nope. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> after after getting to know you a little bit more, I totally. Did, okay. But, <laughs> <laughs> that first interaction, I was like, this guy's super same pages with our movie quotes and stuff <laughs> I, I did I like you show you show your emotion and I didn't I couldn't tell if you were just being a douche oh. or if like well that too or if that <laughs> so I, I'm a little more comfortable I guess now cool with, with that well I'm glad you are because you were willing to do the podcast which I'm very grateful that all of you guys decided to do this wasn't so bad right not, was too, bad. not, so not bad. too bad not so bad alright well with that said um, Connor Castaño Matt Peterson and Mike Barney really appreciate you guys taking the time out of your busy schedules um, to come hang out with us. Um, This has been the Peculiar People Podcast. Peace.